ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Joining me now, Pro Nola segment. Last week, he was on a much-deserved vacation, and uh, this morning he joins me for a Pro Nola segment, talk a little Saints football. Of course, talking about our friend Gus Cattengale of ESPN 100.3 in New Orleans. Gus, man, the best vacations are the ones you uh, you hate coming back from, man. How was, uh, how was the trip down to South Florida? That's actually a really good way to put it. I think I actually text you, I'm not happy to be back and opened up my show on Tuesday after having just landed, just kind of depressed. Uh, but, look, I mean, I, I spent Monday out in the waters of Miami, like, driving, you know, literally up and down the coast, up and down South Beach, past, you know, where the heat play and Bayside and you name it, and literally spent all day and evening on the walk. So, yeah, anything other than that is not going to be fun, right? But um, that was fun, man. I was there for everybody, and um, they had a whole bunch of that family over there, so it was kind of cool. Uh, from that perspective, he got to drive a boat, didn't run us aground or run into another ship, which was great. And um, and, and then I knew how to get back to work, though, Scott, because I was properly motivated by the amount of yachts and money that is out there where you realize I am nowhere near you know, owning a boat. So back to work I went, buddy. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll ever <laughs> own a yacht uh, or even lease one for that matter. But, hey, um, Gus Catgill, our guest, ESPN 1420. I'm glad you had a good trip, man. You deserved it. And, of course, you come back, and the Saints, you know, look, we're here in early June, maybe not much Saints news. Well, this week they give a ton of media availability, right? A lot of players talking to the media. Um, we were talking yesterday about body language is some of the players. You know, let me, let's me let just kick it off with this, very basic. What Was there anything that stood out to you? Was there anything that you said, you know what, I got to make a note of this. That's – that's interesting. I think this is somewhat telling in terms of player interviews, or do you feel like it was just a whole lot of nothing? Yeah, so there's three things that have stood out. Um, and I'd say first and foremost of it all is the notion that, you know, the Saints aren't practicing per se in having these workouts. Alvin Kamara uh, on Tuesday was – you know, saying that he thought it was better to have this specified classroom time where everyone can get together and be more specialized. And for him, he even actually said, you know, rather than trying to get to three hours through a practice where you're just trying to get through it, um, you know, he would he says this is nice because you can do that. I I buy it and I don't because. I think if you're a veteran player, skipping OTAs, not doing these mini camps. I mean, it's called mini camp this week, but there's no seven on seven. There's no team drills. There is no practice per se. There is position group work on the field, which is what some of the players have hinted at, which, again, I, I don't know if it's that they're doing stuff and don't want to say it because as a union, they – stood with the rest of these teams that are saying we're not doing anything voluntary. But I just have a hard time believing it by the way players answered questions this week, that they're not doing something either, that we're not being told behind the scenes, what have you. It's just very odd. It's just very strange. Um, So, look, at at the end of the day, it's going to come down to this, right? There's 
every other team in the division is doing OTAs and workouts, even Tom Brady and the Bucks, that were working out on their own. Worked as a team during minicamp this week. The Saints apparently feel the classroom works. We'll see. I, I just, you know, not saying one way is right, one way is wrong, but when you're trying to, as the player said this week, um, develop an identity, a new culture of this team post Drew Brees, I, I just wonder if not having time together, um, you know, stunts the growth a little or not. I, I don't know. But th- that was the number one of my three things that stood out to me, is just that, is that um, you, you have a lot of players that are going to be asked to see a lot of minutes uh, on the field, especially on the defensive side, and it's fine and dandy to sit in the classroom and watch tape. But, man, I, I just have a hard time buying that field work doesn't help and that not being together doesn't help when Zach Streif back at the Greenbrier, the first year they were there, said they knew they were going to win the Super Bowl in 2009 based off of their OTAs, the work, the camaraderie, and what they were building there. So a guy that won a Super Bowl has told us that mattered, yet this year we're being told it really doesn't matter. Do your own thing. So we'll see. That was one. Two, I I think, was the quarterbacks, man. Um, you know, they spoke on Wednesday, and, and Scott, I, I'm just, I just go by what I hear. And um, one person sounded like he's trying to refine the, you know, his play at quarterback, and the other sounded like somebody that's still trying to figure out how to be an NFL quarterback. And that's two completely different things. And that's what stood out to me. Jameis Winston sounded more experienced, sounded um, I, I would say better, but I, you can, I, you can, I guess you can understand why a lot of people feel that he should be and has the upper hand in being this team starter. Scott, I mean, I you hear him talk about, really, for him, it's more about decisions. And, look, it, it's not me, you know, that I bought a Jameis Winston jersey already. It's the fact that I look at it as the guy started five years. If you want to harp on his interceptions, you can. He threw that. At the same time, he threw 30-plus touchdowns. Also, at the same time, he was a starter for five years. He was the first-round draft pick and the number one overall and won a national championship. Um, you have to make plays to win a national championship at quarterback in college. So he has ability, and based off that experience, I, I think when you hear him specifically answer the question to – his philosophy on decision-making and how what's the right play and how to live the fight another day and all those different things, that sounds like somebody that understands, like, he's not worried about what Taysom Hill said this week. Footwork, getting ready to football early on time, uh, throwing when the routes are over. He's still learning to play quarterback. One guy has. He's just trying to refine it. So that really stood out to me. And I would say the third thing was just something I've touched on already, it's cultured identity. Um, who's that guy? Who's the Alpha Omega? I mean, it, you have a bunch of team leaders. You, you need some on every team. That's why you have multiple players that wear the captain, you know, logo on their jerseys. It's normally an offensive defense, a special team, or, you know, another one. Um, you see it in college football as well. You know, I mean, multiple captains, you know, for the cage and stuff. But, but who's, the, who's the guy? Who's the person 
that is the identity of this team that speaks when things go well or doesn't, that gets everyone together. Um, that's going to come in time. But I, I found it interesting that Kamara himself said, look, a lot of guys are stepping up, and um, this is the chance to step up. And he felt that he was doing that. It's something you and I, Scott, you remember, I brought up a lot last year. I, it felt like a lot that Alvin Kamara stepped up last year as, in, as a team leader on offense. And, you know, listening to um, Marquez Callaway uh, earlier this week, he actually mentioned that when players got injured, he had to step up and play receiver. It was Alvin Kamara every game that came up to him and said, you know, relax, be yourself, and make a play. Like, it was Alvin Kamara stepping up and doing that. So, maybe it's Kamara's team, you know, you know to an extent. Um, but I just – yeah, I mean, look, I wouldn't say it's a whole lot of nothing because I think you gather when you speak or hear from collective – references and I think they're kind of trying to figure out what kind of team they're going to be there is a void of not having Drew Brees I thought it was interesting that Drew Brees still pops his head in the building uh often and 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 is still visible so I again until you get into play we won't know how it all goes but it's also probably why I'm like why wouldn't you work together and practice and do some stuff now? But I'm not – what's to say they're not? But, it, you know, I just think going out to a playground, Scott, and playing some pitch and catch, a lot different, man, than being at the facility every day with everyone and actually putting, you know, a helmet on and doing some work. You know, if it didn't mean anything, then Tom Brady would not be there, you know? ESPN 1420. I, I think – you know, you said a few things about Jameis there, Gus Kangel, our guest. Here's the thing about Jameis that I was I was saying yesterday. For as many, you know, jokes that have been had at his expense, and I, I'm i guilty of that. I'm not going to act like I've never laughed at a, a, you know, Jameis Winston joke or eating the W or any of that stuff. Um, for as much as the media has been on him about uh, not living up to a, a number one overall pick, and he didn't, right? He got replaced and he had turnover problems. You know, for, for, for all, all of the coverage of Jameis Winston, one thing that has been consistent about Jameis from his time playing high school in Alabama to Florida State to Tampa Bay and even to his short time in New Orleans, have you ever heard a, a teammate of Jameis's not say that they love that guy? Like, everywhere he's been, teammates love Jameis Winston. I mean, whether he's the starter, whether he's on the bench, whatever – um, they all seem to like the guy. So there's uh, there's definitely some gravity uh, for Jameis. And, you know, he, he kind of helps his cause, too, when he pays for players on the team to travel to where he is and work out in the offseason and do things. But he's he's um, he is taking this opportunity as serious as he can. Now, Taysom Hill's more of a private guy. You know, he's not on Instagram a ton, things like that. But a lot of players talking about Jameis, I noticed uh, quite a bit. Now, Kamara was asked about quarterback. He's like, hey, whoever it is, I'm, it's good, right? Essentially, I read that as whichever one it is, just give me the ball. I mean, we're all assuming it's Jameis starting week one and takes him in the Swiss Army knife role, but we, we kind of assume that when Breeze got hurt and Sean Payton is stubborn, he's going to do what he wants. Is there any scenario, Gus, where assuming both of these guys are healthy, Jameis isn't starting week one against his uh, against uh, Green Bay. 
yeah, I mean, if the scenario exists if he doesn't earn it. I mean, if he doesn't look good in preseason, I mean, and, and Tamus does. I mean, Tamus, Taysom does. Look, I, I think what's interesting, too, is Sean Payton, earlier in the week, back on Tuesday, he said that that third preseason game is going to be just like the third preseason game. I, I've been interested in how you're going to handle three instead of four. And, you know, he said the Stars are going to play quite a bit there. Taysom Hill brought up that the timing is somewhat important as to when they start or is named. Now, Ryan Ramchek earlier this week said, you know, it's not really that big deal. I, again, I'm not buying it. I, I just it, – it's completely different. Um, and even Ramchek said, it's like, yeah, you know, you got to get used to the how – this player commands a huddle compared to that player. Cadence, tempo, rhythm. And it's like anything else, the more you do it, the better you are. Scott, you and I can walk in, preferably not to, but, you know, as the show open is playing, and I would be comfortable being able to start the show and figure things out and know what I'm like. I, but I'm 20 years in. I mean, I, I, I know my rhythm and tempo and how to go. Um Again, it's just why it's just strange to me that we're waiting to August. People think, and, and, and the Saints fans have called Scott. They're like, well, we got all the training camp. Do you realize how many practices you actually have before the first preseason game? It's not many. It's like 12. It's like 10 to 12. This is like the second and a half week that you're in. They'll come in on a Thursday. Then they'll go through a full week that next week, and then the first game's Thursday. So it, it's not a ton of time. To, to get that work in, and I think what's interesting is how do you evaluate? Because Sean Payton and both quarterbacks said this week that you have to somewhat specialize the offense to cater to what those players do best. Jameis Winston said, yeah, there's been some additions or amending of the playbook, but what I liked about what he said was that he said, you know, there's things I like and there's things that I, I don't care for. And, again, that's like anything in life in the business, not – what are you good at? What are you not? Vocalize it and then put that person and that team that's best to succeed. Um, Taysom Hill said, look, we've had conversations about being an RPO office. That's completely different. And I go back to other players. It's not just the quarterback. Your offensive line blocks completely different when Taysom Hill's that quarterback than Jameis Winston. Um, you know, for some of those set plays that make him good or why you would even consider having it, right? Your, your receivers are going to run different things and are going to block more if it's Taysom probably uh, than it is for Jameis. So uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how you evaluate. And the only hint that you got essentially was both quarterbacks did say, though, that there's bread and butter plays that this offense and this, you know, Saints philosophy is. And they're both running that. So – you know, you're going to have, I don't know, 10, 15 plays for Taysom, 10, 15 plays that Jameis makes, but you're going to have a bulk of the plays that both quarterbacks would have to run regardless, and I guess that's what you evaluate. Um, so it'll be interesting to me how that happens. I just um, – you got Green Bay, man. Whether it's Jordan Love or not in the first game of the season. But again, Scott, it's why when we spoke after the schedule was released, I, I told that to people – I'm waiting for Buffalo, man. The week before Buffalo, Philly, or Buffalo, middle of the season is when I think you'll see what the Saints' future will be like in terms of hitting your stride and what kind of you know young players are doing well or not. And you would have had a bye week by then. I just 
you know, people that think this team's going five and zero before the I would be absolutely shocked if that happens. You just have a lot of questions to answer and a lot of playing that needs to take place on a team that is, again, I what I got this week is trying to figure out who they are and what they're going to be. So it's a lot, it's a lot to figure out. And uh, apparently they're waiting for 12 to 14 days before their first game. All right, quick timeout. When we come back, us Cat and Gail will continue a little bit more on the Saints and a little bit of NBA talk. It's all coming your way. Great Scott Show, Pronola segment, ESPN 1420 on a Friday. Don't go anywhere. Coming up later, Brad Topham, Josh Parrott. We're talking college baseball, LSU. We're talking UL and all their transfers and hoops and seniors coming back and Dugay and Cedric Russell. Stay tuned. Great Scott Show continues. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank on a Friday. Saints and Pelicans correspondent Gus Cattengill is our guest. Gus, one thing as we've we've been talking about the Saints media availability, Deontay Harris um, said, you know, I, I'm trying to use my story to motivate the people coming up behind me. Um, this is a guy that what D two to All Pro his rookie year, five foot six, Assumption College. And a guy that you saw early in that playoff game against Tampa Bay, the speed, making big plays, and he gets hurt, gets knocked out. Like, receiver is such a, a point of contention for a lot of fans right now, and I get it. I, I, I have questions about the Saints at receiver after Michael Thomas. I have bigger questions at quarterback in terms of what Taysom or Jameis does uh, or a combination of both and, and, and how the offense will look different. Traquan Smith said, hey, more air raid down the field with Jameis, uh, and he's been practicing with him. You mentioned Marquez Calloway. But Deontay Harris, like, do you see him carving out more of a niche in the offense? Or, as good as we saw in, in small snippets, is he a guy that, as valuable as he is on special teams, Gus? And, and make no mistake, first team AP All-Pro two seasons ago – at only five foot six, when we did see him play on offense, what did we see? We saw him get nicked up. We saw him get hurt. We saw him taken out. So, on one hand, the Saints, they're not super deep at receiver. There's some question marks there. And then on the other, you've got a world-class all-pro return guy that has shown, you know, final three weeks of last regular season with a neck injury, uh, big game against the Bears in the playoffs, ready to have a big moment against Tampa Bay, electrifying punt returns. Here we go. One of those was called back on a bad call, in my opinion. Then he gets hurt, and oh, no, he gets hurt. So now that's not part of the return game. I mean, we, uh, Sean Payton, I don't know. I, I, Everyone just assumes he's going to be this huge part of the offense. Does Sean Payton maybe hold this guy back a little bit because he worries about him getting hurt as a receiver, or do you see him being a big part of the Saints' offense moving forward? I think it starts with the development of other receivers, right? I, I Look, I, I tell you who also impressed me this week in talking. I love Mark Webb, by the way. I, I really do. You and I talked about that a little bit um, earlier uh, this, this offseason, and I, I just think I, he seems comfortable, confident, and more importantly, he just looks the part, doesn't he? I mean, when he made plays last year, just looks the part. Um, let's see if Traquan's ready to take that next step. And look, Traquan, if you remember, was drafted to be the guy to take the top off the defense and be the deep threat. That's when he was at UCF. So if you can get good play out of Callaway and Smith, 
to your point, I, Harris is more valuable in being able to return kicks. That said, he's only valuable if they kick him the ball. If I'm a opposing team punting, why would you kick it to him? I mean, I why would you? Now, that's saying that, you know, you do coffin corner kicks or, you know, you, your punters for the other teams have good hang time and take them out that way. But, yeah, I mean, look, I think if you're Sean Payton, you're trying to put whatever kind of offensive weaponry you, you sort of can have, but you bring up a good valid point. Look, those injuries he suffered last year wasn't, you know, a twisted ankle or, you know, an ouchie. I mean, it's a neck injury. I mean, he was an IR towards the end of the season because of a neck injury, and he re-injured that neck injury in that playoff game. That's that you know, that's a different level of injury to me. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. But look, he sounds like a guy that wants to be involved more. He sounds like a guy that uh, can do that or not. But you know, we'll, we'll see um, where that goes at some point. Gus Kangiel, our guest, ESPN fourteen twenty. Last question for you on the saints then we'll talk a little nba before i let you run um man marshawn Lattimore, i get it uh doesn't really want to talk about his contract or the off-field issue uh smart move by his agent and by him converting that salary this year so if you get suspended for a couple of games you're saving millions of dollars by doing what he did um, is, is Lattimore in the long-term plans for the Saints, or is this his last season? What's your take on a guy that they desperately need this year? Talk about positions of need. Man, cornerback. Um, I think, man, for sure, it comes down to him. Um, is he a guy that is uh, going to play that way? You know, I mean, he knows what's at risk, and what's at risk is millions. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really that simple, millions. And if he is willing to sort of be consistent and be that guy, I, I have no doubt that the Saints would, you know, um, sign him up. I mean, he's a good player. He's a good player. He's shown the ability to stop opposing receivers and, and play up to that level and caliber. And – Look, we spent most of this offseason doing what, Scott? Trying to find who the second corner is and all this other stuff. So we're trying to find a second corner. That's because you feel that you have the first corner. Um, so I think it's, it's his call um, you know, as to whether or not he's going to be that guy that, that stays here or not. I, I have a hard time believing that this team right now, especially where they are, wouldn't want that. I mean, if he's a guy that, can be depended on, can step up and, and be that guy and show that maturity, which is what I said when that all took place this year was it was just a bad, you know, decision in, in terms of just not thinking clearly as to what would make sense for you or not in that moment. So I don't know, man. I, I think for sure he has the potential to be a guy that they can, you know, stay with for a bit. But, again, man, that's, I think it's up to him. ESP in fourteen twenty. All right, with that, Gus, let's shift gears briefly for the NBA. I know it was two nights ago, but Chris Paul, man, I mean, just at thirty six, doing amazing things. He and Monty Williams in the mix, and you know, New Orleans fans getting a little nostalgic for one and for two, thinking, man, what would a presence like that have been 
in a, a Pelicans locker room that seemed like when it came to some of the veteran leadership, J.J. Redick, uh, left a lot to be desired this past season. What, what do you make of Chris Paul this postseason and the fact that he has said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting free agency. I'm looking for another giant deal. He is older. But what do you make of Chris Paul both presently and, and in the near future? I, I think he should be the MVP. So that's what I think that he's done this year. And I text, um, I was texting Ali Cosell, yes, uh, during the game. I don't know what day of the week it is. Yeah, I was texting him during the game, and I was like, that guy at one point was, what, 15 assists, no turnovers. I think he finished with one turnover uh, in that game, which is incredible. And I was like, that guy's just solidifying a Hall of Fame career. And, and I know his knock has been – not getting deeper into the postseason and things of that nature. I understand that. But you cannot tell me that the game that his shoulder bothered him and he missed, that it wasn't affecting the way that team responded or played. He controls the floor, surveys everything, allows Booker to be, you know, to that next level. It's just – it was inc- it's incredible to watch. And, look, I root for the guy. And, again – I understand he's one of those players that left New Orleans, but I've said several times when we discuss, oh, is Zion leaving? Every time that comes up, I'm like, there's three completely different situations from AD, who clearly Rich Paul two weeks ago came out and said his job was to work it, to work his ear to get him to leave New Orleans. So, you know, for what's best for LeBron. I mean, that, you know, so you can hate AD all you want. I mean, the, the guy listened to people that convinced him. But the Chris Paul situation was just bad ownership and trust. And he didn't want, he, he wasn't a guy that was also always trying to look to leave out of here. Just, I mean, my goodness, they traded Tyson Chandler. They didn't have an owner. They didn't have an owner. I mean, they didn't have an owner. It was like they, they, there was talk of who's going to buy the team and where are they going to move to. Right. It was, it was, it well, was they, yeah. And not, they didn't have ownership. The right. NBA bought they didn't have it. So, I mean, I. <laughs> You know, I mean, we can get mad at him all you want. Um, I, I don't, and, and I didn't, you know, and I look, love the guy. I, that's yeah. what I'm saying. I, I'm, I'm actually rooting for him, and quite honestly, give me Jazz Suns. That's seven games, man. You know, in the Western Cup, they're the two best teams, and I, and, and I honestly think they're the only two teams that can give Brooklyn, you know, a go. I, I cannot believe how they've worked the Bucks, um, and that's without James Harden. So, you know, I – I, I just think it'll be interesting to sort of see that because that is a, a, a question that a lot of the NBA people have been talking about is how um, how does the league react or, you know, handle a Nets team that got put together like that, played eight games together, those three guys, and walk into the playoffs and just yeah. roll everybody. So yeah. it'll be interesting to sort of see, man. But I, I love what, what Chris has done and, you know what? I'd love to see him at least get to a finals once, man. It'd be incredible to see. And I'll tell you what, him and Donovan Mitchell, if they do meet in the Western Conference Finals, I mean, go grab like the Sam size. I'm ready. Or, you know, Costco size box of popcorn, dude, because that's going to be ridiculous to see those two point guards go at it because Donovan's right there too, man. And, you know, Ollie and I were texting, and I don't know if you saw his tweet during the game back on Tuesday about what Donovan Mitchell did and how he took over. Oh, yeah. And he posted it like, what, what, you know, what player, and he listed a bunch of players, would you leapfrog Donovan Mitchell over? And there was a bunch of players. They were all in the playoffs. And everybody's response was none. What are you on? You know, are you okay? Are you drunk and you're high or whatever. And my point is, well, wow, what does that tell you where the Pels are? Because remember, Zion said we're not close, and he's not lying. Um, 
I'm watching some of those games, and it's the Pelicans basketball is like A class ball to the major leagues. You do not have a dominant score. You do not have a um, from from the backcourt. That means and, and look, and Zion is growing as a superstar. But right now, I mean, you're taking Donovan Mitchell over Zion, right? I mean, are you putting Zion over any of those names that was on that list at all? Well, you, you know, That's for for a single season, no, but long term, maybe, yeah. yeah. But I mean, but that's what I'm saying. Long term, I'm saying long right term, now. Long term, I'll take. They're not take there, Zion. and and the, and the thing is, it's not just Scott. You know his ability to be able to score and do those things, but really, it's also just um, the fact that he was doing things that, um, you know, it's what he said afterwards, man. It's what he said afterwards um, that that really, you know, stood out um, to me in, in terms of you know taking over and knowing that he had to do stuff. All right, that is it with our uh, guest, Gus Cattengale. Appreciate him coming on.